Hey, everybody. Thanks, as always, for tuning into Front Row Knowles. KJ and I can't thank you enough for continuing to listen as we get into, I think, our 10th year of Front Row Knowles. Also, a special thanks to Seminole Boosters, who continues to support the program. The schedule is out. Quick reminder, your ticket and priority renewal deadline is April 18th. Great schedule, great optimism, great excitement about what's ahead in 2023. None of it's possible without Seminole Boosters. So to those of you who are members, thank you. To those of you who are not, log on to SeminoleBoosters.com to learn more. And now, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. This is officially Front Row Knowles, and it's officially the start of silly season, KJ. This is what we do from now until Labor Day weekend. We just pontificate about what's the dream scenario for FSU's future conference home. Well, you know, we talked back uh, uh, in uh, January, early February, as you were getting ready for, quote, unquote, that part of National Signing Day, uh, which didn't really exist. And then you start to get feedback from your um, uh, winter workouts and get ready for spring. And uh, we said back then that, you know, after spring and, and then when the ACC meeting started in Amelia Island, we'll have start having conversations again. But if you'll recall, we basically said conference realignment uh, probably is a little more back burner. We've seen what happened with Texas and Oklahoma. We saw what happened with USC and um and uh, the other pac-12 club uh, and we really weren't thinking about it and then all of a sudden you have that board of trustees meeting we're offered you know lays the gauntlet down about uh, you know a, a different revenue stream and now and now we've 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 blown that back into complete and utter conference realignment we've got the magnificent seven which by the way our older listeners will remember that back in the 60s, Florida State had a magnificent seven on the defensive side of the ball. That was what they were called. And um, I don't know if uh, that term is registering with all the other um, uh, ACC writers, but uh, it registered with this old guy that they're calling the, the seven, the magnificent seven. Keith, we, we've literally been doing this too long because I have a note right here that talks about the Magnificent Seven, and I haven't heard that term since I, I think it was the 65 or 66 teams of Bill Peterson. Here, exactly. Here's where I was going, though. The Magnificent Seven was the front seven, and the secondary was the forgotten four. So as it relates to the ACC, who are going to be the forgotten four at the end of the day? <laughs> I'm going to start first. And, and I'm throwing Boston College on the table as the first of the forgotten four. Who you got? Well, the thing I worry about is is the old original Tobacco Road, you know, uh, 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 NC State, Carolina, Wake. Uh, but, 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 you know, that's not necessarily that group. So, yeah, I think, it, I think it's going to end up being Boston College and Syracuse. And, I mean, it's going to be – it's going to be the people we don't think about very much at all. Wake Forest, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think the forgotten four at the end of the day are BC, Hughes, Wake Forest, and Duke. Now, Duke will still have the basketball side, but that might be the forgotten. I mean, 
we're about to talk with Bob Ferrante about how we can get more revenue for Florida State. If we could just forget those four, and and thus the denominator would be fewer, and we were dividing by 10 instead of 14, Keith, we wouldn't have to have this conversation. We might not. You're, you're very well. We, we might not. And by the oh. way, it's not lost on me that I was in the secondary, so if there was anything related from 77 to 80 about the front seven, I would have been part of the forgotten four. Well, I was just about to say <laughs> that I never heard you, Monk, Bobby Butler referenced as the forgotten four. I mean, uh, granted, as young as I am, I don't recall those days or the days in the mid-60s, but uh, I, I, I know nobody's ever referred to you and Monk as the part of the forgotten four. Oh, it just is, it, life is just humorous. If you don't think God has a sense of humor, you're just not paying attention. All right, so the, the winter meetings are going on. Uh, by the way, and we're not going to get into this in the show, really, but one of the things they have to figure out is the tiebreaker now that there's no divisions. So what if two teams that didn't play each other are vying for the, the second spot in the ACC championship, right? How do you determine it? Uh, what I what I pose to, to Bob, who will join us next, is that I think the criteria is probably going to be, um, were you a founding member of the ACC? Are you an institution currently located in the state of North Carolina? Is basketball your preferred sport? What other potential tie-breaking criteria do you have for that, Keith? <laughs> well, my first thought was, if anybody has read, uh, read the 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 pecking order for bowl criteria and bowl selection, somebody is going to know how to write this because that bowl criteria is the most complicated thing I've ever tried to decipher. Well, the bowl criteria does have the one trump card, which is if you're within one game of somebody in the standings, you can move up and bump them. Translation, if the TV network deems you more interesting than whoever's one game ahead of you, they can make that happen. Let's just make that the criteria for the tiebreaker for the, I mean, let's just go ahead and put that in there. I think it should be whoever has two or more left-handed quarterbacks. <laughs> All right. We're in a good mood this week. Uh, ACC meeting. Silly season is here. Bob Ferrante will join us. We'll get a little more serious and talk about uh, Florida State's prospects for leaving the ACC or finding $30 million extra each year. That'll uh, come up when we continue on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles. Thanks for tuning in as always. Let's open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to our uh, good friend, Bob Ferrante, our Osceola insider. He's living large this week. He's hanging out at the Ritz at Amelia Island. I mean, this is all fun and games, right? It's not just sitting around waiting to do interviews. I mean, you're out on the golf course. You're eating some nice dinners. You're uh, swimming in the uh, Atlantic. I mean, it's all fun and games, right, Bob? My feet have been on the beach. My feet have not been on the golf course. Uh, nobody wants to see me on the golf course, let's be honest. Um, but, but some of the <laughs> coaches on the beach either, <laughs> <laughs> some of the coaches and ADs have brought their golf clubs. So they, they are, uh, a lot of guys are out there looking forward to hitting the golf course, running the EJ manual. A lot of the ACC network guys are here. EJ was in his golf clothes and very much looking forward to getting out there. Well, 
you know, this brings up an interesting concept that's part of our conversation here or relates to it. Maybe everybody should move to TPC in the 17th. And if you're Wake Forest and you can't make it on the green in one, it's been great having you in the ACC, but it's time to move on. I and mean, what do you think? Maybe we should we should make this survivor and we could figure this all out, Bob. Hey, though, Wake Forest has a has an ace up the sleeve. They've got some of the best golfers through the history of that rich program. So, so hey, whether it's Dave Clawson or uh, one of their top golfers, um, I, I I think I think Wake Forest might figure out a way to stick it out if that were the uh, survivor scenario. <laughs> Bob, we're being humorous uh, because we're we're I don't know scared to death of what some of the conversations might be leading to. So I'll just put the open-ended question in there. Uh, I'm sure all of our listeners understand and know about the need for increased revenue and that type of thing. But what, what are you hearing so far? What's, what's the chatter? I think the, the, the big storyline obviously built off of a, a, a Twitter post on, two, on, on Monday, sorry, from Brett McMurphy saying that there are uh, there's a magnificent seven schools who are are looking to break the grant of rights, um, investigating um, how far they have gotten, how you characterize that to be determined, right? Um, Michael Alford admitted Tuesday evening, yes, the, the ACC schools have uh, been to North Carolina. They've reviewed the document. Uh, the document is obviously not in the public records, so we don't know what's in there, but lawyers do, administrators do. So I think they are in the mode of, is there a loophole in the grant of rights? They're also very much in the mode of, we need to find more revenue. I think Michael Alford had a really good comment, you know, this evening, Tuesday evening, when we talked to him, he, he was saying, you know, Force has been very competitive with the third best media deal in the nation. They want to continue being the third best media deal so that they can still be very, very competitive. Um, and he's characterized these conversations as very good, very open, very transparent. Some of the best conversations that that he's seen in his time as, you know, at, at Florida State as an athletic director. So there are a lot of positives there. Um, how close are they to something tangible, something better? I think that's a big question that we're still waiting on on some answers. Bob, regarding the Magnificent Seven, is the seven significant because there's strength in numbers and that means more, more lawyers on your side fighting the grant of rights? Or is this about trying to get to eight? And if you had eight schools that voted to leave the ACC, then the ACC no longer exists. And thus, there's no grant of rights because there's no ACC. Help me understand that part of the equation. I think that the biggest challenge here that I've said all along is we are discussing a grant of rights that we have not been able to review. We can't forward it to a bunch of lawyer friends and say, tell me what you think. Um, it has not crossed state lines by email for a reason, because open records laws would would allow any media member, any lawyer, any graduate of a, of a school to to request it. That's the, the the big challenge of understanding it. So in theory, could eight schools decide we want out of the ACC. We think there's a better option financially, whatnot elsewhere. Yes. I, I mean, there is a theory that that is being pursued. How far down the road truly are seven schools right now 
is a good question. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to be, um, I won't say it was blown out of proportion, but I, I'm not sure how far down the road these seven schools truly are. I, I think we have to kind of put it in some context. Bob, there's also the, the thought, the rumor, uh, maybe the wish that it's seven because uh, Notre Dame will be number eight. However, that might work in terms of doing away with the conference or adding to it. Um, I don't, I'm not sure personally how much credence I put into that, but I do want to reiterate, make sure that our listeners, make sure A, I've heard it correctly, and B, our listeners understand. Severing the grant of rights is one conversation. Doing away with the ACC and the result of it being the grant of rights goes away is a second related conversation, but a different conversation, correct? Yeah, and I, again, I don't think we're we're close to either. <laughs> let's, right. Let's right. This, this isn't the Armageddon option of the ACC is gone on Thursday afternoon. We're, we're not anywhere near there. Um, how, how close is Notre Dame to the picture? I don't, I just don't know the answer to that. I, I don't feel like Notre Dame is as much of a huge factor in this magnificent seven discussion right now. Um, could they be? I, I think Notre Dame, you know, to use the Jim Phillips line, they value their independence so much. They value having multiple TV contracts with multiple TV partners because that's where the money is. This, this is much more of a, a, a specific route toward multiple revenue streams for Notre Dame. So I'm just not sold on, on that being potentially an eighth. You know, there, there's been some discussions. Could the eighth be Georgia Tech as an AAU school that might want to go to the Big Ten? Sure, that's a possibility. Could Louisville decide there's a conference option for them? Could they be an eighth school? Sure, that, that's another option. But I think we're, again, I'm not sure we're as far down the road in this getting to eight, cutting deeply into the grant of rights to, to see then, then what's next. You know, the other thing is, are, are there truly seven or eight seats for all of these schools that want to jump out of the ACC? Honestly, honest question, guys, where would Miami go? Is Miami going to have an open door in the SEC, in the Big Ten, in some other conference? Of all those seven schools, the one that I have the biggest question of, of will they have a landing spot? I think to me, Miami is, is one, I'm not sure where their obvious landing spot might be. Well, I, I'd say the same about NC State and Virginia Tech, and I understand why they're there. I mean, Virginia Tech and Virginia are going to be on the same side. We saw that when Virginia Tech came into the league. NC State's been tired of being little brother in, in North Carolina forever, so they're, they're game for moving on. Um, to your point about Miami, Bob, I, it, it feels to me it, it makes more revenue, frankly, for the Big Ten to take a school from the state of Florida because of what they would get paid monthly, even with the declining number of cable subscribers or cable households, it, it would be the most lucrative to get either FSU or Miami in the big 10. So I, I do think there's hope there compared to the sec where Florida's already in the sec. So you're not getting more dollars for that per se. Um, it's curious though. So, but what about the interim? So we talk about this, like, look how long it's going to take Texas and Oklahoma to get out of the Big 12 and in the SEC and USC and UCLA. So even if by the time people listen to this, 
eight schools had left the ACC, you got to be prepared to be on your own for three or four years. I mean, you would have to have an agreement in place that we're done with the ACC. We're going to form our own conference. And I forget how many schools you need in a conference to even get somebody into the playoffs. And then you'd have to hope, and somebody would come calling with the, the, the schools we're talking about, that you get a new TV contract and then you'd make more revenue in the short term. You'd never sign another grant of rights because Lord knows that's why we're having this conversation now. And so you'd have eight schools in a year from now, FSU and Clemson might be. I mean, I, I, I don't know what the interim period looks like on that. I, I think the interim period is maybe more cloudy than what we're already in. I feel like we're in a mostly cloudy environment as it is. Yeah. Well, the yeah. only thing I would disagree with you there on, Tom, is if Thursday afternoon the vote was taken and the ACC was disbanded, those schools could go immediately to another conference. Oh, I don't disagree with that. but the So other there would be no downside or well, downside. The other conferences would have to want them, though, Keith. That's the point. Uh, understood. Understood. Yeah. And, you know, you could – we could – we could put together a, a bunch of scenarios. You know, I mean, the Pac-12 hasn't signed their contract yet. So all eight of those schools, seven of those schools go to the Pac-12 and we just renegotiate what's already been negotiated again. I'm being facetious, of course. But it, 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 I think Bob hit the nail on the head. It, this, this, is, uh, this is Armageddon. There are no backing away from this if you go forward with it, if that makes any sense. This is not like worrying about Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC and USC and UCLA leaving. This is, this is California is going to drift off into the Pacific. This is the San Andreas fault that's fixing to come to the, uh, uh, to the head. Um, the other part that we haven't gotten into is what about the incremental or the, or the unequal revenue or the distribution changes? And, you know, that may result in three or four or $5 million going Clemson and Florida State's way or whatever. You know, is, is all this a ploy to get that to seven or $8 million or whatever or whatever? I mean, there's just a, a unbelievable amount of speculation out there. Well, yeah. the unequal revenue sharing uh, ultimately is a, is a failing plan in my opinion, but if you're Florida state or Clemson, 3 million more next year is better than 3 million less. Right. So you take it and you sure. hold on until you get to a better scenario, but ultimately, I mean, see the big 12 in Texas and, and what happened to that league. I mean, I just don't think that's a winning hand. I don't think there's enough dollars there, uh, to, to make it a, a long-term play on that. But again, FSU and Clemson might take the short-term play. Three years from now, they're three years closer to the end of the grant of rights, and, and they go from there. What else did, did Michael Alford say today uh, on Tuesday, Bob? You know, honestly, a lot of it's about the revenue model. Um, there, there have been a lot of discussions about various other topics from what's the new ACC tiebreaker rule, um, because there won't be divisions, you know, starting in the fall. And we don't have a decision as of yet on, to, on what that is some discussions about basketball, the importance of being a better basketball conference. There's more revenue, more teams in the NCAA tournament. You get more shares as far as how far ACC programs go within the league. You know, Leonard Hamilton mentioning, um, you know, the ACC has been, had some teams go pretty deep in these final fours. Obviously, 
Miami made an unexpected run um, in March, early April. So that that was maybe an unexpected thing to see Miami go that deep, but it does show that the ACC is very, very strong. Um, I thought Coach Hamilton made an interesting point about scheduling. You know, um, the, the comment was made, you need to make better scheduling decisions. You need to make schedule tougher opponents. And, and Coach Hamilton said, well, these schedules are made so far out, years out in advance. How do you know who to schedule so that that would be a prominent opponent in a particular season? So I, I do think a lot of it centers around how do you make football and men's basketball better? And how do you derive more revenue from these, these two high-end sports? We're talking with Bob Ferrante, our Osceola insider. He's at Amelia Island, ACC meetings this week. We'll take a break, come back with more right after this on Front Row Knoll. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles. All right, Bob. I, we've asked this. I posed this question before on this show. If the weekend and FSU is no longer in the ACC, do you look back at the 31-year history and say it was the right call or no? And to <laughs> caveat that, and our fans know this, I mean, Florida State's won three national titles since joining the league, played for three others. If there was a playoff, they would have been in three more. So roughly a third of the time FSU's been in the ACC, they've been that close to a national championship. So if the cord got cut and Florida State had a financial or a revenue windfall because they were invited to the Big Ten or SEC, would we look back and say the ACC was the right call, or we would, would we say, nah, it was the wrong call, should have gone the SEC from the get-go? Yeah, I think everybody will have a different viewpoint of it. At the time, I still feel like going to the ACC was a very, very good call as far as being good in at that time, there was no women's soccer, for example, right? I, I mean, we have to think about where Florida State Athletics was. But for all of these sports in totality, not just football, not just men's basketball, you look at women's basketball, the growth of women's soccer, um, what Florida State's been able to do for softball in an emerging sport these last you know decade or more with the ratings. I, I think Florida State made a good decision at that point um, for the broad good of every sport. Now, a lot of people can say, well, the SEC might've been a better call. There might've been more revenue there. You probably have a football only facility far earlier. You would have had an indoor practice facility far earlier, but you know what? It, it's, it's tough to revisit history in that way and, and kind of analyze how it might have been different. The, the path to, a 2013 national championship might have been very, very different. But I think I think Florida State has honestly scheduled really well in football, has prepared itself for for the best opportunities, um, not just an ACC schedule. You know, they've they've played Florida, played Notre Dame pretty uh, you know pretty frequently, right? Um, they've tried to play ten Power Fives throughout the schedule just to to make itself be an attractive opponent in the eyes of bowl committees and and coming up it's not just going to be a four-team playoff it's going to be a 12 uh you know team playoff where you know you're, you're going to have to put yourself in the best position best position 
with the best schedule to where you are an attractive brand, an attractive team. Tommy, my answer to that is for the first 21 or 22 years of that 31 year relationship, it's worked very well for Florida State. And in fact, Florida State through the ACC has generated more revenue than the SEC teams. But the last nine or 10 years, the pendulum has just shifted so far that, um, I mean, we got to deal with what today is. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it definitely makes sense. Go ahead, Bob. No, go ahead, Tom. Well, Lee, and so I used to, I feel like I've always been the apologist on this. I just think there's, there has been some good points to the ACC, but clearly in the last nine or 10 years, the revenue is not one of them. And FSU needs, they need an answer to the revenue issue, which is most likely find another conference home unless the ACC turns over a pillow and finds an extra 30 million per school, right? In the couch somewhere. My, my thing compared to the SEC, and, and let's do the math. So uh, on the ACC, as currently constituted, even with a 12-team playoff, how many ACC schools are legit contenders for the playoff? Two out of 12 in a regular year? Maybe I mean, I think in 2016, it was FSU, Clemson, and Louisville who were all in the top 10. So you would have had three out of the top 12, right? Most years, one or two. So in the SEC, if the SEC is at 20 schools, if FSU and Clemson are in the SEC and they take two others, and there's a 12-team playoff, where do you have to finish in the SEC? Top six? Is it half of the 12-team field? Is it top five, four? Really what I'm asking is, is it easy? And this is revenue notwithstanding. I get that part of the argument. Is it easier to finish in the top two of the ACC as currently constituted or the top five of the SEC in a 20-team SEC when you got Alabama and LSU and Georgia, and then your FSU fighting to be fourth or fifth every year. I, I don't think the ACC is nearly as deep, so it's almost easier without divisions in the ACC to be one or two, depending on how that Florida State-Clemson game goes. It almost feels like that's round one, and right. then round two will be in, in Charlotte because I, that's where the ACC title game is going to be for however many years down into the future. I. I think Florida State has a good path in a 12-team playoff. You know, if, if there was a 12-team playoff this year, we'd all feel great about saying Florida State has the roster, has right. the coaching staff, has the continuity, has everything that you would ask for. Honestly, because they have the fewest questions on from a position standpoint, position analysis standpoint of, of any of the ACC football programs right now. We just got to find our T. Boone Pickens. Where's that guy at Florida State? Either that or I got to start playing the lottery more often. I, I thought it was you, isn't it? W.K. Jones? Is that what we're going with? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I guess what I'm asking, Bob, is, is the point I've always raised about this is whenever Florida State fans have talked about being in the SEC, I always feel like the vision is Florida State would be Alabama in the SEC. And I always say, well, what if they're Auburn in the SEC? Are you good with that? And honestly, what if you're Florida? I mean, Florida won a couple titles. Yeah, but what have they done in the last 20 years, last 15 years? So which are you going to be? We all would say, oh, FSU will be Alabama. You'll be in the top four every year. Maybe not. 
Yeah, and honestly, you know, tip of the hat to Andy Staples with with the Athletic wrote a really nice deep dive on on where Florida is because Florida was feeling really good through the Spurrier years. You know, Urban Meyer elevated that that program back again, but now where is Florida? How far are they away from truly competing? You know, in in what's what's become a, a tougher SEC East with 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 Georgia. You know, Kentucky has become something that we didn't envision Kentucky being again hats off to Mark Stoops there um I I think Florida State fans have to admit that you know the ACC was a good call broadly um to your point could Florida State what what would Florida State fans feel about five losses almost every year being an Auburn type of program just because you're playing that rigorous schedule year in year out I, I think to some extent it's it's just been great across all sports um I know this is a football discussion but heck it, can it be a basketball discussion too can it be about all the other sports and and how good of a position Florida State is in in almost 20 sports well and, and I think that's the crux of the conversation Bob because to keep Lonnie Alameda and to keep Trey Jones and to keep the coaches that Florida State has kept Honestly, a lot of it has been about loyalty and not the paycheck because they've been offered more Bob Brame and they've been offered more at SEC schools. Absolutely. And at some point, at some point, loyalty only goes so far. And even if you got to take the more money at some point, and it just feels like that's coming if Florida State doesn't catch up in the revenue side. And Tommy, your comment yeah. is exactly why you've got Florida State and Clemson having the conversations now. The loyalty has run out. It's and, now about the money. Yeah. And, and I think those those head coaches have flirted with opportunities in the SEC. But I, I do think in some regard they've stayed because they love Tallahassee. They love the program and what they've built. Um, I think a lot of them, like Coach Alameda, they want more money for their assistant coaches. You know, the biggest thing in their negotiation has been get me more money for my staff, uh, help me build an off-field staff. That's been something Lonnie Alameda's pushed for improvements for the softball complex. Um, I know we've talked about this in the past, but Florida State has lost assistant coaches to the SEC because the money there is just crazy compared to what the ACC can pay. Um, Charlton Young is one really good example. Um, did he double his salary? I, I, I think it's about that, honestly, from what he made at Florida State to what he's making at Missouri. That's tough to say no to, really as an assistant coach. So when you lose assistant coaches, you lose recruiters. You lose those people who are still foundational to your program. I've always been more worried about losing the assistants, although it will be a tough day one day if a head coach were to say, wow, that SEC paycheck is just, again, way too big for Florida State to match. To be fair to Trey Jones, I, I lumped him in there because he's been a really good coach. I don't actually know if he's had SEC offers. I do know that Lonnie Alameda and Bob Brayman have had those offers, though. Um, yeah, it's, well, and think about Link Jarrett now. So Link's in year one. Uh, we'd all agree that that Mike Martinfield could use a refresh or uh, a reconstruct. And if you were getting $30 million extra a year, you're talking about two years of that and some fundraising, you got yourself a state-of-the-art stadium, right? With, you know, 60 million plus some fundraising. But that's not coming anytime soon for FSU unless they, they you know, fix this cash register that is the SEC or the Big Ten. And I, I think short-term, 
you know, Michael Offord has taken the right approach. It's be the best you can in football. Elevate from three wins to five wins to 10. Win games, fans will come. Booster revenue, booster revenue will go up because of those, those contributions, right? Once football is consistently at that high peak brand level, then you start saying, okay, what can we do with softball? What can, what can we do with baseball? I don't think a $60 million baseball field is coming in two years or three or maybe even five. Let's, let's be honest. That's, that's the SEC money that Florida has been able to do, that Mississippi State's been able to do. It's just not realistic. But I think we have to look at what they've done at Dick Hauser. There have been a lot of improvements over the last couple of years that have made that a fun place to watch a ball game. It's it's sort of more Wrigley and Fenway, unless these modern open air retractable roof, you know, type MLB parks that we've seen pop up. You have to almost appreciate the quaintness, even though yeah, the legroom's not great, or yeah, this doesn't feel just the the, the way those high end parks feel. Well, don't don't get me wrong on that front, Bob. I mean, I think Florida State has done well yeah. with what it has in terms of resources. So I'm not. I'm not being critical in that vein. It's just if you have more resources, you can do more. That's the obvious statement. So what did uh, moving this along, and we're talking with Bob on Tuesday, and uh, obviously Wednesday there'll be more news from the ACC. What did Mike Norvell say when he met with the media? And I'm guessing his com- the conversation with him was less about uh, conference realignment and more about roster or spring or state of the team, that kind of stuff. Yeah, honestly, it was some of his first comments uh, since Destin Hill was was welcomed back uh, for the second time. And, and there's a lot of excitement about what Destin might be able to bring. It, it's it's a super talented receiver room, even if you remove, uh, you know, Micah Pittman. Obviously, Mike McClain moved on, too. So Destin Hill hasn't played a real football game since, what, November, December of 2020. But I think there's some excitement over what Destin can do. And they'll be curious to see, you know, with those limited number of hours over the summer, um, how does Destin look? How in shape is he? You know, just how far along? What can he contribute? Um, personally, I think more as a return guy, uh, less as a, you know, truly productive high-end receiver initially. But with that kind of speed, with that kind of elusiveness, um, he was used on, on kick returns at Edna Carr in New Orleans, that's a guy who can be, uh, I think, impactful in that part of the game. You know, Mike Norvell also talking about a little bit about NIL, a little bit about the transfer portal. Um, I think it's it's more just discussion at, at this point. There's there's not a whole lot of conclusions that I think or, or consensus that the coaches have come back with. It's just really more kicking around ideas and discussion and and kind of. Um, maybe commiserating on, on the state of NIL, honestly, and, and, and potentially what needs to come as, as far as just, you know, keeping the playing field level and uniform nationally. You know, it's interesting. We've, we've applauded appropriately uh, what Coach Norvell and his staff have been able to do in a transfer portal. I mean, I think we would, we would grade them as being A uh, in terms of a grade. Remember, too, when it comes to NIL – this staff hasn't been able to be involved in it. I mean, Florida State, in terms of the administration and or the coaching staff being involved in NIL, is only six or seven or eight months old, where other states, because of state law, was a little farther along. And, and forgive me, but 
Um, you know, I've always asked this question, and I and, and I always thought I knew the answer, uh, but but with Destin Hill, it really speaks to the point that that timer doesn't start until you take your first class. So he is a true freshman, even though he's two years, two and a half years removed from his last high school football uh, uh, game. Um, but he's a true freshman. He we're gonna call him we're gonna call him uh, the new Chris Winkie. He's gonna be the old guy. I- I was just going to say, Keith, so we'll look for him to throw six interceptions in his second game, but then win a Heisman Trophy. Is that what you're saying? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, Bob, anything else to add? You know, it's been a fun couple of days just kind of hearing ideas and and, and discussions. Um, I, I'll be curious to hear a little bit more, you know, from the commissioner, for, from some other folks. Um, I, I, I will caution folks. I don't think things are maybe as imminent as as maybe you might think or, or maybe you might want to think if you're looking to jump out of the ACC but I, I think um, Michael Alford characterized a lot of the discussions as, as optimistic I think he felt like there's there's been a more a bigger emphasis on some of these discussions than than in the past and if if you're looking for encouraging signs um, maybe less Armageddon more maybe some more encouraging signs I, I think you can you can find that Sounds good, Bob. Enjoy the uh, seafood and the beach and uh, sitting in the uh, hotel lobby outside of conference rooms waiting for administrators to exit so you can uh, bum rush them with your mic and try to get some comments. <laughs> That's uh, We're living the good life over here. <laughs> All right. He is Bob Franti, our Osceola insider. For the latest, go to the Osceola. He and the team do a great job. Uh, we'll catch up again next week, and uh, we'll take a break right now on Front Row Knowles. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Thanks to Bob Frante for joining us. Appreciate uh, his work on the road from the uh, ACC meetings. Interesting times, and, and I do think you know, silly season gets to uh, sort of shock headline season two, Keith. Uh, Bob was trying to, to to caution us all that this is not we're, – we're not going to wake up in September and Florida State's not in the ACC is, is sort of what he was doing. It's not imminent. What what do you think is a realistic time frame till something happens on this? Well, uh, and, and I don't mean this in disagreement with Bob, but we've talked about you and I off the, off the uh, air – you know, I didn't see Oklahoma and Texas coming when that got announced, and I certainly didn't see USC and UCLA. Now, granted, that's two schools, not seven schools, and, you know, it doesn't completely um, dismantle a conference. So it, it's not necessarily I – think, I think the better way of looking at it is the percentage or the probability of there being an Armageddon by September is kind of small, but – I'm not one that's going to say it couldn't happen at all because I got caught blindsided by those other two moves. Realistically, well, you realistically, this is a three to five year thing, don't you think? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, the others didn't have a grant of rights standing in the way. Like if there if there wasn't a Agreed. grant of rights, I, I think we none of us would be surprised if something happened. If we woke up July seventh and there was an announcement that Florida State and Clemson were in the SEC, right? It's figuring out the grant of rights and how to navigate that, that that's the challenge, which is why to me, and we've talked about this before, and I don't, to Bob's point, none of us have seen the actual grant of rights. 
I don't know the ACC bylaws, but I feel like, and, and this is where I'm confused about Notre Dame too, because Notre Dame is not a full conference member. They're in in football, but there's 14 member institutions in the ACC. And so if you got to eight who were willing to leave, that's a majority and you no longer have an ACC in my mind, but maybe I'm just making the argument that way. I, I don't honestly know how it works. Nor do I, and I've read a couple of things. I've been led to believe that, uh, you know, as long as you had the majority of the schools saying we want to disband, that that could happen, and that would make sense. Don't know that that's accurate, but that would make sense. And then the second part of it is you've got to believe that Notre Dame has some input. You know, they agree to play the five games. Um, they're in the, the conference uh, for the non or other than football sports so certainly they have a, a, some form of a vote, or at least uh, they can vote present. Uh, but I, I, think I, I, I think we are in agreement that, you know, this is not going to be as, as shocking a, a, an announcement if or when it happens as those other two because of the grant of rights. But at the same time, this seems like it's going to be a drawn out thing. And even when it happens, you know, like most other things that have happened in Florida and in the current uh, state of government, Somebody's going to sue, and then you got to go through all that process. <laughs> Notre Dame has does have incentive on this because they too are are bad. Like if, if they join a conference all in before thirty six, it has to be the ACC. Now I guess when I say all in and think that through, I guess they could have a partial membership with the Big Ten. I, I don't know what that would look like, but it feels like they have motivation to to not be tethered to the ACC too. If there's better options on the table. I don't know. Well, and their it's, downside uh, too is if their revenue stream goes down with their deal with NBC or whoever, you know, they'll be in the same situation as the other ACC schools looking for additional revenue. All I know is I don't know anything, Keith, and uh, we'll see how the rest of the ACC meetings shake out. And whatever happens, we'll react to it again next week. It's like everything else in life, Tommy. The older I get, the less I understand. But the better you were, Keith, the better you were. All right. Just ask me. We're out of time, folks. We'll do it again next week right here on Front Row Knowles.